0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Butterfly Kisses, A Journey of Spiritual Transformation. I am Amy Gray Cunningham, and I am your host. And today we have a special guest with us. Her name is Corby Mitlide, and she is fabulous. I think you're going to absolutely love her. I actually found out about her in one of the books I've read by uh, Robert Swartz, actually three of them, and it's all about your soul's journey. She is one of our psychic mediums who actually helped people go back to pre-life planning. So we're we'll going talk about a little bit about that as well, but she also has a book out called Clean Out Your Life Closet and Take Charge of Your Life and Love Your Journey. So Corby, tell us a little bit about you and who you are and what you do in your book.
1: Okay, uh, just to tell you who I am and what I do, I am a certified tarot master. I'm a past life specialist. I am a psychic medium channel and author. I get to do this work full time, six days a week. I read about a thousand people a year and I get to get up every morning. I don't have to get up every morning. And that's a
0: gift. That is awesome. So Corby, why, why do people want self-help books? I mean, why do they, why why are we even attracted to any of any of the self-help? Oh, books? Amy. That, um, oh, let me tell spirituality, you spirituality, the why are we here? Can you tell us why we're here? You no, know,
1: I I would pay 50 bucks to anyone of our <laughs> age who could say, I've never bought a self-help book. Come on, we all do. I bought my first one at 14. And you know, we go into Barnes and Noble and there's this great looking cover and a sexy title. And we flip a few pages and it looks like maybe this. And then we get at home and we start reading. And it's like, what do you mean I can't eat food with leptin and I have to get up at 4.30 every morning to meditate? I live in Milwaukee. I have two preschool kids and I have work. No. So it goes on the shelf. The thing with my book is I wrote it not as I have all the answers in my aura don't stink. No, it's (laughs) here's some of the stupid things I did. Here are a couple of examples from my clients. And here's some things to think about. But the key to this book is in the back of each chapter, I have what I call adventure pages. And there, there are questions for you to answer and you can't go into the book and find the answers because it has to come from your experience. Let's take a look. I have a chapter called Finding Happiness with What You Have Right Now. Here are some of the questions. How good are you at finding happiness in the moment? If you aren't good, what do you think stops you? Which happiness ingredient that you just read about is your favorite? Why? Think of three situations in your life that aren't looking terrific right now. How can you find some happiness in the journey? You cannot turn to page 87 and copy the answers. You have to look at your own life. But as a result, if you finish my book and you do the work at the end of each chapter, this becomes your own personal manual. And you and your best bud could have bought my book the same day. If she does all the work, her book will be different because her journey is different. And this is a way of saying, You do have your own answers. Please learn to trust yourself more than you do because we're taught not to trust ourselves. Mm -hmm. There are always people out there who are supposedly the gurus and they're the ones who sell you the stuff on QVC and they're the ones who have the infomercials. and and, and. 90% of that stuff, you don't need it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You have to learn to trust what you have experienced.
0: I believe that we're all here as divine beings, having our own human experience to learn who we are. And this is like a huge playground. So we get preach. Yep. Preach, preach. And a lot of people don't understand that. And it's, it's taken me 50 years to start to begin to understand that. And there's still days when I wake up and I really don't want to be getting up in the morning. I just want to curl up in the bed and stay there. I know especially people
1: who listen to the cosmic muffin today mercury is retrograde
0: oh my god I have to stay in bed you don't get a life and I feel like that I always say there's got to be a full moon out there somewhere that's the reason for my but I choose that experience I choose Mm -hmm. that experience I choose to feel you know that particular
1: it's it's where I get the examined life there are some things that are just going to happen to you yeah okay So you can either sit there and have the pity party. You can say, okay, what am I learning from this? What can I take with me and what can I teach with? That's how I work. Um, Right now I have a dear friend who just lost everything, 60 years worth of stuff in uh, the fire that took down Grizzly Flats, California. Oh, well. Is she numb? Is she grieving? Yes, but there is still that part of her that says, there is a message in this, there is a reason for this change Mm -hmm. instead of God doesn't love me. Mm -hmm. And that is her PowerPoint. And that is why she'll be able to pivot. She will still grieve, but she'll move forward.
0: Mm -hmm. I think the grieving process too is a very important part that you just touched on because as humans, we do grieve. And uh, For those of my listeners who have listened to this, I mean, I literally just lost my husband uh, 11 weeks ago. So the the grieving process is so poignant, but you're right. There is a message. There is something and a pre-life soul plan, or there's a reason for experiencing why I'm going through certain things. I I just know that there's a reason.
1: You know, first I will say to you what I say to anyone who has lost someone, may they land lightly home in joy and find a way to let you know they've arrived. He has. Good, good. But people say, why did this happen to me? Mm -hmm. One of the things that we talked about in Rob's books is we don't have one place to leave. We have maybe four or five. You could Mm -hmm. die of a fever at four, a car accident at 18, a mugging at 32, um, an explosion at 59, or prostate cancer at 96. And as you come up to these things, spirit looks and says, okay, hey, soul, are you done with what you need? Yes. Is this the most comfortable place for you to leave? Yes. So sometimes it's not that we did something wrong. Mm -hmm. It's not that it's not fair. I love to use the uh, example of Ryan White. Ryan White was that kid who got AIDS, died in the early 90s. He was 18 And he got it from a blood transfusion. So people might say, what a horrible thing. He must have been awful too. No, no, no. Because if you look, he became friends with Elton John. Elton was so profoundly moved by Ryan's courageous life and death that it got Elton clean and sober off all the alcohol and drugs he'd been through for decades. He -hmm. created the Elton John AIDS Foundation and has raised half a billion dollars for AIDS and HIV research worldwide Mm -hmm. and assistance. So to me, Ryan's soul and Elton's soul got together in their pre-birth planning session. And Ryan said, short, short, but meaningful. Will you join me on this journey? And Elton said, yes. Mm -hmm. When people hear that they stop thinking of good karma, bad karma. And that leads into, you know, Rob's five things. Karma is unbalanced energy, which is a neutral, healing, service, contrast. You want to learn about abundance. You have to have a rich life and a poor life and healing the beliefs. Mm -hmm. Ryan is a complete example of service.
0: I completely agree with that. And actually listening or reading his books helped me to put into perspective issues that I had, you know, with, um, Childhood sexual abuse and mm-hmm. different things that, because I honestly believe that not necessarily that they were my teachers, more so that I was their teachers to help them on their path for whatever was supposed to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Even, even my father, he was, you know, an absentee alcoholic father who wasn't around very much. He was my greatest teacher in my lifetime he taught me unconditional love and compassion and actually butterfly kisses was named after him (laughs) he sends me butterflies that's one of his if we can learn that we let go of so much pain we really really do exactly so clean out your life closet how did you come up with that title i absolutely love that title
1: um actually we had 15 different titles that we were looking at and i put a the pull to my character. through spirit people and everyone went oh that one and they're actually eventually going to be three books clean out your life closet the big reboot and be your mm-hmm. own masterpiece the year of hold my beer and murder hornet bingo last year you know threw everything out the window what i was going to do for the big reboot in 2019 is very different than what is needed in 2022 so i'm i'm totally rewriting that book which is why you know it's not out yet because rebooting is what we're going to have to do. The economy will be different. We will be different. Society will be different. America's place in the world is going to be different. You can't go by what you used to think of.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You have to reboot and don't be afraid of it. What doesn't change
0: dies. What is the three-legged stool of clarity? For me, it's
1: getting clear on your purpose, getting clear in relationships and getting clear with spirit. If you can do that, then you have a strong stool to sit on and to stand on to reach for things. Clarity in purpose. I mean, there are a lot of questions that I will answer as a psychic, of course, but I will not tell you what your purpose is because I haven't lived your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, if somebody said to me, Oh, I see. You are meant to be an electrical engineer, but I'm sorry. Now, I was a civil engineer two lives ago, Mm -hmm. back in Germany in 1880, but not now. (laughs) Um, My father wanted me to be a lawyer. Forgive me, but I can't stand lawyers. I knew what I wanted. The shape of it changed. It morphed. I used to want to be an actress. I use a lot of acting talents and everything that would have made me a good actress doing my work now. Mm-hmm. but this is what really feeds my soul. Okay. So I help people find what I call their sentence of passion. Now your sentence of passion is not who you are or what you do or even how you do it. It's your vapor trail. When you go skidding into heaven on ball tires and fumes in the tank, God hands you a beer and said, so you get to say, I did this. Isn't it cool? And you're the only one who's going to know that for me my sentence of passion is cross the bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. When I can take somebody from point A to point B when they thought they couldn't make it, whack them on their shoulders, say you don't need a flag plane. Now, yet I am living my bliss and my purpose, but I've done it as an actress, an author, an inspirational speaker, a legal assistant, a video producer, a writer for graphic novel series and executive recruiter. It's not the job. It's who you are within the job. It's how you connect with people, okay? And I only discovered that when I looked back at my life and saw all the touch points and all the repeated lessons and all the things that were most important to me. So if you do a sentence of passion consultation with me, i give you two pages of questions that you may think are really disjointed. But everyone says, oh, I'll get this done in 20 minutes. And they come back and go, it took me two days. I go, "Oh, I know. We never ask ourselves these questions, but you and I go through it and we see the patterns and we give you a motto and we give you your sentence of passion. The motto is what you say to yourself in the mirror every morning to get going. The sentence of passion is your rallying and cry to the world. Now with me, my motto, I have two. The public one is live the examined life, but the private one is a direct quote from Robert Heinlein's book, Time Enough for Love. In life, moderation is for monks. Take big Bites, because that's how it lived
0: that's awesome i love your energy and your i mean you just part of it's being new york you know (laughs) we're (laughs) like
1: this
0: (laughs) so how did how did you get into this line of uh, line of work i mean how did you get into
1: that's the other 30 second elevator speech so ding when i was nine I read a book called The Witch Family by Eleanor Estes, and instead of thinking who that's scary or ha, 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 I thought, and your point is, I knew there was magic in the world. I wanted to go find it. Fast forward to 1973, when I was a senior in high school, and yes, that tells you how old I am. Um, I was working part-time at Spencer Gifts. They had the 007 James Bond tarot deck, and I bought it. We were all hippies. We had our elephant bell-bottoms and our fringe jackets and our decks. Five years later, everyone else had moved on to roller skates and disco balls. I was still reading the cards because they fascinated me. So for 20 years, I read for friends, mm-hmm. making sure that I could keep my ego on the shelf and be a clear tube for the information. All of a sudden, in 1994, I could do hands-on healing and talk to dead people with no training. That's when the universe handed me my draft notice and said, hello, your work address." So I did it part-time until 9-11 when my husband and I literally watched the towers burn and I turned to him and I said, I need to do this work full time. People need to know there are other answers out there. He said, I believe you could do it. So for a year, I still worked as an executive recruiter doing the psychic work evenings and weekends. Once I was sure I could make a living at it, closed the door on corporate and I have never looked back. Now it's six days a week, read about a thousand people a year and boy, do I have fun.
0: Like I said, I love your energy. So you talk about perfection in your adaptability section. Mm -hmm. Why is that such a problem?
1: Perfection is saying perfection is the enemy of good. If I'm going to wait to do podcasts like this, when I have the perfect mic and a great studio and I've learned how to put my makeup on flawlessly. I'll never do it because that ain't me. I mean, I'm sorry, I did Mary Kay in the 1980s and changed my makeup four times a day. I wear nothing now, zip, nada. Not since my wedding, 2002. What you don't see behind here is a teeny weeny room in our teeny weeny bungalow. It's like 864 square feet, seven foot ceilings. And behind there is the bedroom and the hall Down to the kitchen and living room. It ain't gorgeous, but you know, it's what we have. Frankly, it's paid for. And in this time, that's fabulous. So you get a screen and a curtain, and you put it up and you say, it's good enough. If it would have to be different for someone who wanted me on their reality show, we'll find you get the studio but that, that's what it is. What do you want? Do you want it enough to realize perfection probably isn't there? Then do it. The only one who is angry about it not being perfect enough is you in the mirror and you're getting in your own way.
0: Mm-hmm. I always say that um, when you're feeling that anger, not anger, but when you're feeling that fear. Angst. Yes. yes. That's when the miracle is you're just like right on the edge. You're ready. You know, if you just move right through it, that miracle is right there, ready for you and waiting. So just, yeah, I love
1: the word fear. Um, On my YouTube channel, there is a fear versus fame video that I did right at the beginning of the year of murder hornet bingo, because everybody was so scared. And yes, fear equals false evidence appearing real. Fame equals full acceptance means everything. Do you want to be fearful of things? Full acceptance doesn't mean I guess I have to do it. It means here's where we are. How can I work with it next? Mm-hmm. What do
0: I need to do to make it work for me in this time? I'd rather be famous. Yeah. I keep I tell a lot of my clients when I work with them that it, it's all about what you want to experience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What does your soul want to experience today? And, and all-
1: please trust your authenticity. Mm -hmm. that's where a lot of the other fear comes from i was this close to getting a reality show for me which would have been very cool but they wanted me to be the typical nobody can do what i do i am so amazing there's nobody else and that's the exact opposite of what i did. and anybody with me knows i will always say i'm not special you can do what i do and that was not what they wanted to hear so i said no to the show because i wouldn't I'll use the word, I will not prostitute myself and my abilities Mm -hmm. to lie to my audience when I know that's not who I am. Would not have been worth it I don't care how much money they would have given.
0: So do you believe that everybody has a little bit of psychic intuition in them or?
1: Here's the example I use. We all have 10 fingers. Everybody can play chopsticks. Some Mm -hmm. of us really like the idea of music, and so we practice our scales, and we take some lessons, and we spend time on it. We get good. Back, back to my favorite example: one in ten million is Elton John, but we all have ten fingers.
0: So yes, Very good point. So, what are some ways that uh, we can simplify our lives to be able to enjoy our experience more?
1: Well, there are actually four chapters in the book. The first one I talk about is life is a tiny house. You know, the the tiny house movement is very cool. But everything in there has a purpose. And there are not multiples. Now, yes, if you have a family, you, your husband, and three kids, all five of you need a toothbrush. (laughs) You don't need five copies of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. You don't. So that's what you do. Um, In the book, I give an exercise. Take 20 things that you think you love, put them on a table, look at them closely for five minutes, then go away. Then I'm going to take away five of them. Can you tell me which five I took away? Probably not. On the other hand, you put five things on the table, look at them, leave. I take them away. You'll tell me exactly what was there. A lot of what you owned, you're just not conscious about. So. Stop being the Pavlovian knee-jerk dog and buying everything you see on Amazon deal days. Then there's the uh, thing uh, i call carry experiences, not things. And I think there are four different kinds of people in that. The first one, uh, the toys people, and the other ones who collect Disney stuffed animals, depression, China, whatever it is. Even if they don't use it, they have to have it. Okay. Then there are... Well, I call it in the book, the Rolodex people. I'm going to have to find a new name for it because most generations don't know that. But the Rolodex people are the ones who collect people, names. Mm -hmm. They're the ones, if they were a politician, they'd be glad handing you and looking over your shoulder to see who the next person is. They're not registering you. Mm -hmm. Then there's the been, there, done that people. They're the ones who are always the first to go to every restaurant in town. They're the ones who went to every Deadhead concert, no matter what it cost them. They just want to say they did it. And then there are the connections people. They're the kind of people that if they went and helped out at a food drive, it wasn't to say they were at a food drive. It was to know that they were giving nourishment to a family that may not eat. It was the ability to make a connection. It was the honoring of the service that they are doing. Those are the four kind of people. What kind do you want to be? So when you really decide on who you are, you don't need things. Perfect example, in my 20s, I was part of a Renaissance and reenactment group, okay? And I loved swarming around in 25 pound Tudor gowns. You know, When I was 25, I had to figure I could do that. Well, since the three times cancer dance and I'm now doing a lot of other things, why would I keep the gowns, the jewelry, the scrolls, all the accoutrements I used to carry. You know, all of the gowns went to either other people who would wear them, or some of them I sent to my high school for their drama department. All the other things I gave away. I have some pictures, they're fine. But who I was in my 20s is not who I am now. All the things that you did and collected in your 20s may likely not be who you are now. What are they still doing in the attic? Send them off to somebody who can use them. Mm-hmm. Um, simple example: uh, Spirit told me last January, get four to six months of food in now. So we had a pandemic pantry. We used some of it. Some of it we didn't. This year in July, when I heard same thing because of you know now we know it was the Delta variant coming in, I went through everything, and there are certain things that might be out of date in three or four months. I gathered all of those up and took them to Catholic Charities for the food bank. Why? Because people need them right away and they will be used long before they're out of date. Now I repackaged. I didn't throw it out. I didn't wait till it was out of date. I gave it to those who needed it. And I didn't worry about how much money I had spent last January that was now going to Catholic Charities. I just did it because it was right
0: at the good point sometimes people have a hard time getting rid of 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 objects i know my my husband when his parents passed he had a hard time letting go of things mm-hmm. and a lot of my house is full of <laughs> antiques of things that he couldn't get rid of and now i'm kind of i sit there and look at it and i'm like i have no sentimental attachment to these things but yet mm-hmm. I even still can't get rid of it because I know it was important to him.
1: It was important to that personality. But what I will remind you is that personality has now been hung up in the closet. He is in his full soul self now and could care less. Yeah. You know, I lost my father 20 years ago on September 5th. He still comes and visits if I'm doing a medical intuitive reading, especially if it's cardiac, he will come in because he was a great cardiologist. But the soul of Dr. Dorkin is complete. He puts on the dad Jerry Dorkin suit, the white coat and stethoscope as love and comfort to me. But it's not who he is anymore. So I think that your husband would probably be completely fine with your getting rid of it if you have nothing <laughs> sentimental on it. Look, I have my mother's Wedgwood, which I love. Mm-hmm. But it only came out at Thanksgiving. We use it now, but we have no kids. My nephew is in Boston and has no use for it. My niece is in England. I have no one to leave it to. Yeah. What am I going to do with it? Things don't matter. They don't, unless they are useful for people who need them. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to send the Wedgwood to Catholic Charities, probably what I would do. <laughs> you know when I'm a little closer to getting my ticket punched is there are places online you can sell them and I would take that money and I would give that to Catholic charities let them one. buy food with it cheaper yeah. dishes more people can have kitchenware yeah.
0: that's actually a really good point I hadn't thought about doing that simplifying your life that actually sounds like a really good idea because it allows you it, it allows you freedom too be able to come and go. Think about clothing.
1: Yeah. In the winter, we live in upstate New York, Northern Catskills, clothes and a sweater and a coat and a muffler and gloves and a hat and boots. Right now, <laughs> August, <laughs> I go out and you know, what I'm wearing in flip flops. Mm-hmm. Which one is easier to move around in is right now with less clothes. So that's that's an easy analogy for you to think about having stuff that's hanging on you.
0: Let me ask you this question. You have worked with a lot of different souls and have, mm-hmm. and have had a lot of different experiences. What is one experience or one reading that really stands out for you that made a difference in your life in particular? Not to put you on the spot. No, no, no. <laughs> no the thing is, up. I can
1: tell you, Readings I did that made a difference to other people. Mm-hmm. But you see, because I keep my ego on the shelf, all I can tell you is every reading that I get to do, I am profoundly grateful that I've been given this job by spirit. What I can do is I can talk about the past life stuff since we've been into Rob's books. You know, the only one I know that actually gets the pre-birth planning session is Stacy Wells. What I did for Rob, I was what I call his priest, inspirer, storyteller. I was his past life expert, and I was the one that got to actually channel people's higher selves, their souls, to talk to. So there have been a couple of past lives that have made a difference. One of them, a woman came to me and said, "My son is so clingy. You know, he's he's in his twenties. What am I going to do? He is afraid that without me, somehow he's going to die. Is there a past life thing?" And I pulled up and I said, "Okay." I'm seeing Utah Beach, and you were his commanding officer. He got shrapnel in the leg. He would have died there, except you pulled him across the dunes. You took some shots yourself. Both of you were wounded, but you saved his life. And she looks at me, and very quietly, she said, do you see the rank? I said, yeah, you were a sergeant. She goes white. She says, since he was three, he's called me sergeant. We have no idea why. Wow. Second a woman was very, very attached to ideas around the Underground Railroad, didn't know why, didn't live around there, wasn't talked about in her family, but really pulled to it. And I said, I, OK, And this is where the fact that I am uh, a history buff comes in. That's why I can see the detail and describe it. You're in a room. It's got whitewashed boards. It's a low ceiling. It's all white, wooden floor. You're in a dress from about 1862. It's gray, it's got black, gray suit on it. You know, the the big crinoline skirts and you're kneeling by a little iron bed with a a little raisin of a black woman. And she's obviously very old and she's dying. And there are two very tall men with you. And everybody is mourning because this was a very wonderful woman. And she had come this close to making it to, to Boston where she needed to go. She was that's where her whole family was, and she didn't make it. And the woman looks at me and says, I have had that dream repeatedly for 20 years, and I never knew what that was. I don't know where I get these things. It's not me. I'm the as John Holland says, we are only the tube that it comes through.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But if I gave those two people amazing closure for something that has been bugging them for decades, I'm grateful for the opportunity. I
0: love being. A vessel and being able to help others be able to work through issues that yeah. seem to be holding them back and be able to move forward. So one other a couple other questions here that I have for you. You you learn to go with the flow and more opportunities open to you. What do you mean by that, by that statement?
1: It it sort of rides with a perfection thing. It's adaptability, you need to learn to adapt. And I talk about stumbling toward enlightenment. And that is a title of a wonderful, wonderful book by a woman named Jerry Larkin. She was a high level executive who started to learn to meditate when she had a twitch in one eye. She's now a very well-known Dharma teacher. She's written, I love her book titles. First You Shave Your Head, Tap Dancing in Zen, The chocolate cake sutra, what's not to love? (laughs) Um, But the idea of stumbling toward enlightenment, guys, you're never going to get it all right. I don't care how long you live. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But there is a a skill. It's the old six degrees of Kevin Bacon, if you remember those Mm -hmm. things. And it's called six degrees of stumbling that I use in the book. And I will come up with the example I have. All right. Getting fired from my job led me to marry the man of my dreams. You hear that and say, what are you talking about? Because I kept getting fired from jobs, I decided I would work for myself. Because I worked for myself, I discovered I didn't need to rely on a man for financial well-being. Because I didn't need to rely on a man for financial well-being, I didn't feel desperate to marry. Because I didn't feel desperate to marry, I chose to have relationships with men I could trust rather than men with money because I changed the parameters around what kind of a man was good for me. I met my Carl. And because I met my Carl, I discovered that what I was seeking truly wasn't money or security, but a trustworthy, funny, honest, best friend. And so I married the man of my dreams. Now, that's how constantly getting fired from my jobs, which I did. That's true um, was not bad or wrong. It was simply how we went on the road. Let's take a quick look at my story in Rob's book. I have done the cancer dance three times. And the reason I did it three times is because spirit kept saying, please do this. Please go here. Please look at this. And I was just ignoring it. So Finally, spirit said, look, we need you down there to do a lot of work. So we're going to remove the problem. My third bad breast cancer was a second primary danger cock back to zero, but they took the boobs, they took the ovaries. They took me from a Dolly Parton figure where I was just this walking sex pot. And that's what I thought I was worth only that mm. to a fat fire plug with permanent side effects. Okay. So I ain't a sex pot anymore. But what it allowed me to do is get beyond what I look like into my humor, my abilities, you know, wearing the cloak of the elder and being there for other people. My ego was not wrapped up in what I looked like anymore. And it was much easier to put on the shelf. So that's an example of, hello dogs, my worst mistakes gave me my best life stumbling toward enlightenment.
0: Sometimes people get caught up in the worst mistakes and then we stay there. Mm-hmm. And you've said several, di- you said a couple different times, putting your ego on the shelf. How do you do that? You
1: realize it's not about you. You know, I, I watch people talk to people and I have some friends that when you talk, it always comes back to them, what they've done, what they think, why they're good, blah, blah, blah. And you can't shut them up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When I'm with someone, I listen carefully and I start asking them questions to let them talk about themselves. I don't need to constantly tell my stories. Frankly, you want my story? Go listen to one of the podcasts I've done. It's all right there. <laughs> um, people need to be cared about. They need to know they matter. They need to know you see them. Mm-hmm. and if you're worrying about your ego, it won't work. There is a story I'm not going to go into because it's on so many other podcasts, but when I was doing mediumship for somebody, the key phrase that had to come out of my mouth was appropriate to tell a widow. But I would never say that kind of thing in public. I would never say that thing if I was doing a gallery. Okay, if my ego was worried about that should come not come out of this mouth, mm-hmm. I would have skewed the message and she wouldn't have had this it was it was a perfectly ebonic phrase, it had obscenities in it, and not out of this mouth, mm-hmm. but her partner laughed about it because that particular phrase is what her dead wife said every time she walked into the door after a business trip. That's an example of why you cannot put your ego there. If you are doing some channeling for a client and you are told, tell the client that there is a plaid fire engine with a rutabaga on it and it's very important, I'm going to think, what? (laughs) And I would dismiss it. But no, you have to tell them. And you also have to accept that sometimes people are not going to want to know what you hear. And this story I will tell. Um, This was in Kitchener, Ontario. And I told the woman I was sitting with a couple of challenging things I saw. Uh, I didn't say it had to happen, but I said, I see this and I see this. She gets up, she looks at me, she says, you can suck. And she walks away. Okay. Who's the first person in my chair next time in in Kitchener? And she sits down and she says, the last time I said, you sucked. I said, yes, I remember. Because you told me that I was going to want to take in a border. And then I was probably going to want to sell my house. And I thought that was all bull. But my daughter got pregnant and moved home. And now I'm going to sell my house to help raise my grandson. And I still don't like you, but I want to know what else you see. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> you know, weird. if I had been so upset by her attitude, mm the reading would have gone into the weeds. Yeah. You know, I know enough to say that even the best of us are only 85% accurate. The only one 100% accurate is God and he doesn't have a booth at the psychic fair this week, guys, sorry. (laughs) Um, So when I know that I don't have to worry about always being perfect, I just say what spirit says. And if spirit has to tell this person that stuff, who am I to tell spirit no? Nobody died and made me God.
0: Simple. I was actually doing a reading for someone today and she's like, well, that just doesn't make sense. And I'm like, well, this is what's coming through. So this is obviously what needs to be said. And so we dug a little deeper and she's like, oh my God, this is this is what happened. And so I had to take yeah. her a little deeper into it. And Yeah, that's why I always quote the 85, when they hear 85%, they relax. Yeah.
1: Because they know I'm not going to push. It. it has to be right. Yeah. You
0: know? so I'm like, you know what? If, if it doesn't make sense, then if it doesn't make sense. I'm just telling you what I've heard, what's coming through and mm-hmm. put it on the shelf if you don't need it. Take it for a test drive. I tell them. Perfect.
1: Perfect.
0: <laughs> so what is it that you'd like to tell um, our listeners today or tell someone about the book, Clean Out Your Life Closet? There are four things
1: you're gonna learn in it. Clarity, adaptability, simplicity, and making friends with stress. Your answers at the end of each chapter are every bit as important as what I've written. Take what you need from it. You don't have to own the whole 100% and know that it was written because I wanted to share some things that I felt worked for me, but it's gonna be up to you. You can experiment. I just enjoyed writing the book. And if you're someone who really likes to have the book read to you by the author, there is an audiobook version of it.
0: And one more question I asked all yes, of my guests okay. this. Okay. And um, you probably have already talked to these people, but if you could talk to one person, dead or alive, on a park bench for an hour, who would it be? What would you talk about and why?
1: Oh, it would be my father dad was my best friend he and I shared the same birthday March 8th and I would want to sit and tell him what it's been like for 20 years I know that his soul knows but in you know completely in the Jerry Dorkin suit oh yeah oh yeah that would be an hour platinum and diamonds oh I would love that too with my dad.
0: Well, Corby, thank you so much for joining us today. Is there anything else you would like to tell our listeners? Where can they find you, first of all? They oh, they to... can't
1: avoid me. <laughs> <They always> can.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you go to my website,
1: And As a matter of fact, when you go there, you'll see information about Life Closet and you can download it the first chapter free. You can find me on Facebook, Fire Through Spirit. You can find me on Instagram and Pinterest and YouTube and Patreon. All under Corby Midline.
0: Awesome. Well, I am definitely going to check out the the book "Clean Out Your Closet, Your Life Closet" because I want to I want to read that and try to uh, answer the questions. I think it'd be interesting. Wonderful. Thank you for thank you, thank you for joining us today, and um, I really enjoyed it and listening. Like I said, I've read all of the of uh, Robert Schwartz's books, and I've enjoyed. Uh, your parts in that and and i'm just in awe so thank you (laughs) it was a pleasure
1: being here
0: thank you for being you and doing what you're doing thank you be safe thank you for joining me on another episode of butterfly kisses a journey of spiritual transformation if you like what you've heard please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button this way you won't miss it when a new episode is released also join me on the facebook page at butterfly kisses podcast here we can continue the conversations we've been discussing on these podcasts and you can also ask questions of our guests as well also if you're interested in learning more about akashic record readings you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with me on the facebook page or you can do so by visiting my website at amygreycunningham.com again thank you and remember always spread your gorgeous wings my friend and fly until next time see ya